this morning felt like this was a now word for us um, and kind of along the lines of what we've been talking about the past couple of weeks about building a firm foundation of everything. Oh, yeah, we didn't do offerings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Lord, we give it all to you. Everything that we have, it belongs to you, Jesus. All of our finances, all of our material things, God, you have given it to us, and we recognize it, that it comes from you. It doesn't come from ourselves, Lord. So we joyfully give back everything that we have, trusting that you are our provision and knowing that you're the one who provides everything that, that we need. And so we thank you for that today, God. You're faithful to us, and we rejoice in your faithfulness. Let it be a testimony to the world, um, those around us, our family members, of your goodness and your provision. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jay. I said, thank you, Jay. <laughs> I saw his throw in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm out of it. Tommy and I, okay, this is. <laughs> He's so funny. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about knowing the season that we're in, recognizing the season that we're in winter yeah as we look outside and it's snowy and everything like that but yeah technically fall but but honestly with in the being believers and Christians we have to know what season we're each in individually and corporately as a body and and the Bible talks so much about that knowing what season you're in and it's so important because um, I mean when we think about it I was thinking this morning I believe I heard a message on this years ago from, you know, one of those audio sermons or whatever. 
I can't remember who preached it or anything, but her she was talking about seasons, and she was very funny, but um, what she was talking about is being dressed for the season that you're in, and when we're not prepared for the season and we're dressed wrongly, we're very uncomfortable and complain all the time, like as if you're in the middle of summer and you're dressed in all your winter clothes because you're not prepared for the season that you're in, and you're you're thinking you're in a different season and then you're complaining all the time all this i this is what i'm wearing is so heavy and it's so hot out and oh but i'm in winter right now when it's 100 degrees but you had, you didn't recognize the season that you're in and it sounds like such a silly analogy cuz when summer's here no one would be dressed in our winter clothing we wouldn't have our boots on and our wool socks and all that stuff hats and mittens because we it's easy. We just recognize. We can feel the weather. We know what's going on, so we dress accordingly, right? And we're not saying, oh, we got to dress for winter because it's coming. No. We dress for the season that we're in. We engage in the season that we're in. And then when winter comes, we naturally move into what we need to wear for winter, and we're prepared for that, and we have to prepare, right? And so same way, spiritually, we have to recognize it. And a lot of times we don't recognize the season that we're in and because of that we're complaining and those are kind of the fruits of like oh i'm uncomfortable i'm complaining because i didn't embrace the season that i'm in and dress accordingly i'm actually wishing it was a different season so if it's winter and i want it to be summer me dressing in shorts and a t-shirt's not going to do anything it's not going to change the season it's just going to make me more miserable and I'm going to p- complain even more that it's not summertime, right? So it's wintertime. I need to embrace the season that I'm in, prepare for that, get my boots out, get my warm clothes on, and, hey, it's the season that we're in. I've got to walk it out. Nothing I'm doing can change that, but I, c- I can change my attitude within that season. I can embrace what's happening. In First Chronicles 12.32, this is when David becomes king, right? And you know David had gone through all this stuff with Saul, and that was a huge, crazy story that happened. And did you? Yeah, when he becomes king, you're saying, or him and Saul? Oh, wow, that's crazy. So in First Cr- Chronicles 12, verse 32, this is just a, a obscure little voice, a voice, a verse, a voice, <laughs> um, where it's talking in this whole chapter about those who were supporting David and Ziklag. And in verse 32, it says, of the sons of Issachar, men who understood the times with, what, with knowledge of what Israel should do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their kinsmen were at their command. So there was all this to say, I mean, we can't just read into that and say, oh, yeah, but there was this small group of people, the sons of Issachar, who knew the times that they were in. They knew the season that they were in. They had an understanding of the times to know what Israel should do. So in the same way, when we know the season, we then know what we need to do in that season. When it's harvest season, we know what to do. It's time to harvest the crop, right? Because it's the season to do so. When we know the season, we know what we need to do. When it's winter season, the natural, we know we got to shovel. We got to put down salt. We know what we do. We need to do. So we need to be as the sons of Issachar, 
in this time, Chris, as believers, to know what season we're in. If we don't, it causes a lot of problems. And in 2 Samuel, this scripture has always stood out to me so strongly. It's a small verse, 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. It says, Then it happened in the spring, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Reba. But David stayed at Jerusalem. So that's verse 1. At it says it's springtime. It's saying what season it is. What happens in the springtime is that the kings go to war. So it recognized the season. It recognized what was meant to be done in the season. But what did David do, who had just become king? Kings were meant to go out to war. The end of verse 1 says, But David sends out all his people, and he stays behind. He was not doing what he needed to be doing in that season in the position that he was. Two and three. Now when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and he inquired about the woman. And one said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? So what happens? Bathsheba, this whole situation with David, King David, happens with Bathsheba because he did not recognize and acknowledge the season and what needed to be done in that season. And so temptation comes and then sin. We all know this story. He ends up killing Bathsheba's husband, impregnating her, and then judgment comes and the baby dies as a consequence of his sin. Now, this is the man that God just put in, you know, the man that says, the Bible says is a, a man after God's own heart, and God had anointed him for king. Now, you might think, like, when you're reading through all that he went through to get to this position of kingship, yeah, it's hard. He was running from Saul, running for his life. He was being honorable. You think, oh, oh, maybe he has a right to stay home. He's just been fighting so much and running all around. He needs a break. Can he catch a break? Doesn't he deserve a break? And maybe he thought that himself. Maybe he thought, I'll just send out my men. I have been dealing with all this junk. I just need a break. But that's not, the, that's not wisdom. David needed to recognize that he's a king now. This is the position that he holds. This is the season. Kings go out to war. It's time to war. And God will bless you. In that place. And he, God will give you the strength that you need to war. He'll give you all that you need to war. But instead, he's found in his bed. He gets up from bed and goes out and then is entrapped in this sin. And that's, that's, these are some of the major consequences. One example of not recognizing the time. Another one that I was thinking of, Esther. In Esther 4.14, Esther, for if you remain silent, this is Esther's uncle talking to her, right? She's an orphan adopted by her uncle, Mordecai. And we all know this story. She gets chosen to be the queen. And he has this whole plot. Haman comes. He wants to, Haman comes and wants to kill all of Israel. And so Esther's uncle comes to her and says, you need to go before the king, and you need to plead on our behalf. 
did he not allow the Israel, Israel to be, all the Jews to be wiped out? And she, she's like, yeah, but he'll kill me. If he doesn't call me before him, well the law states that if I go before him, he will kill me. He can kill me if he doesn't raise a scepter. So she's facing life or death. And her uncle's response to says, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you came to your royal position for such a time as this. So her, her uncle, who is a man who fears the Lord, says, Esther, recognize the season. You didn't become queen for no reason. God put you in this position for such a time as this so that you would be the one to usher in the deliverance for the Jews. But if you decide that you don't want to, it doesn't matter. God's still going to deliver his people, but you will perish. The consequence of you not recognizing the season that we're in is going to be death for you and your family. And in the same way with King David, what did it result in? Death in his family. Now, we're under a different covenant that King David and Esther were under. You know, they were under this old covenant. We're under a new covenant. We're not going to have death in our family. I mean, there are consequences to sin that James talks about, right? So if we're in sin, there can be consequences that come that even result in death. But when it comes to recognizing the season, there's spiritual death that can happen. There's this place of unnecessary weight and burden that we put on ourselves when we don't recognize the season and don't embrace it. And we've been talking some, oh, let me read this last verse before I say that. So, uh, Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 8. And this is kind of a funny one. Funny in a sense, but 6, verses 6 through 8 sa says, Go to the ant, you sluggard, like you lazy person. Go to the ant, observe her ways, and be wise, which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provisions in the harvest. An ant who has no ruler over them knows instinctively what season they're in and what they need to do. An ant, and he's saying, you lazy fool, go look at the ant and be wise. Yeah, you sluggard. It's a funny word. You sluggard. But this is like a rebuke to us. Wow, an ant. We think like, oh, an ant is here today, gone tomorrow. We step on them all the time. Yet they know what to do, and they're setting an example of what is meant. Recognize your season, embrace it, and do what needs to be done. Don't be lazy in the season that you're in. Observe her ways and be wise. The ant prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest instinctively just does what needs to be done. And w we were talking some about um, how it's so interesting to us here in Maine, which is different than in New Hampshire. We were observing some of the differences. In Maine, we've had so many people from October onward say to us, be prepared. Winter's coming. It's depression time. You're going to feel depressed. You're going to feel lonely. The sun goes, there's no sun. 
Um, it's just going to be the worst time of your life. There's going to be snow everywhere. And, you know, it's isolation and blah, 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 blah. And you're just like, oh, my gosh, it sounds like doomsday. Like, what is going to happen in Maine in the winter? But honestly, it has some of our friends from here, you know, have been saying that. Just be prepared. And there are some natural things. You know, there isn't as much sun, so you need vitamin D. That's a natural thing that you can take care of. But the difference is we don't come under the ways of the world in the season. And we recognize what season we're in, and we, uh, we come at it in the opposite spirit, right? So if what's, what's happening spiritually over this area, because it is clearly from lost people to even saved people saying the same thing to us, that we say, wait a second, is God's will for us to come into depression? No. Is God's will for us to be lonely and isolated? No. So there's something wrong here. That might be happening naturally for certain people, but we as the church must come at it, come combat it with a different spirit, the opposite spirit. So what does that look like? The opposite of depression is joy. <laughs> Emergency. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Laughter. Joy, abundance. What's the opposite of loneliness? We strive to come together. We have to fellowship together, whether that's in our homes or wherever, however we, you know, we have parties. We're going to, you know, have fun times planning it out, making sure that we're combating it because it's not just something in the natural. It's a spiritual thing that we're coming against over this region. Uh, yeah, the principality. And we can say, look at us, world. God's going to shine through us in this time if we don't come under what everyone else comes under. If we say, no, we're not going to come under the same thing. We're not even going to speak the same way. We're going to come above it and say, no way. This is a time of joy. This is a time of rejoicing where we can still fellowship together. This is what um, the season is for us right now. And we're going to embrace that season. I was one of my favorite chapters. I know I have so much scripture today, but it's because there's there's so many examples of this. And I want us to see that how important it is, because if we don't recognize the season, we will become offended, complaining, angry, frustrated. And that's just like an extra heaviness that none of us need. <laughs> right. We have enough natural heaviness, the enemy attacking us. We don't need to come under that that extra stuff that we even put on ourselves because of not recognizing the season. And Matthew 11 talks about that. This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And it's when John the Baptist's disciples come to Jesus and they say, John the Baptist is in prison, right? He's about to get his head chopped off. He's the one that has prepared the way for Jesus. And his disciples, he sends them to Jesus. And they come to him and say, Jesus, John has sent us, and, and he wants to know, are you the one that was expected, or should we be waiting for another? So incredibly, John, the one that was preparing the way for the Messiah, didn't even recognize if Jesus was the one or not. Wow, he didn't recognize that that was the Messiah. He didn't recognize, he, and he, had, he had recognized it before. He said, I can't baptize you. You should baptize me. Do you remember that scripture? 
So he recognized it then, but all of a sudden he's in a dark cell and he starts to doubt. So different seasons that we're in cause us to doubt even the promises and the fulfillment that God has used us to usher in. Jesus answers them and says, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Verse 6, and blessed is he who does not take offense at me. And I always wondered what that scripture meant. It seems so weird placed in there. You know, I'm like, and blessed are those who don't take offense at me. Like the blind are seeing, the lame are walking. How would we be offended by that? But he goes on to explain it. The disciples leave and then Jesus turns to the crowds and he says, what did you go out to see? Speaking of John, what did you go out to see? He said, a reed shaken by the wind. What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. What did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, and one who is more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So Jesus is directly confronting them. You did not recognize the season that you were in. You went out into the wilderness to look at, to think of some. You thought you were going to find someone in king's clothing and who was a soft man. And you found someone who was dressed in camel's hair, eating locusts and honey and preaching. Repent. The kingdom of God is here. His message was heavy. It was cutting. And people did not like him. They rejected him because of it. He goes on to say, what should I compare this generation? Verse 16. It's like children sitting in the marketplaces who call out to other children. They say, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang the funeral song and you didn't mourn. So they didn't recognize the season. Again, they're playing a funeral song, and it's rejoicing time. The opposite. They were doing the opposite of what needed to happen. We played the flute for you, but you didn't dance. They played the flute when it was time to mourn, and they played the funeral song when it was time to dance. How mixed up is that? And because of that, they see John, who's coming, and he's fasting with his disciples, and they, they, they think he has a, it says that you said he has a demon. Because John came fasting, they said he has a demon. Then Jesus comes eating and drinking, and they say he's gluttonous and a drunkard. They didn't recognize it. They were offended at the ways, at the, the fruit of what was happening here because they were expecting something different. They were expecting that Jesus come in like this royal king and transform everything and free them, and it would be like he becomes comes a natural king on a throne in their nation. Yet he came in a stable. He came in a way that they weren't expecting, and because of that, they became offended. 
in the same way, if we are expecting a certain thing like, oh, in this season we want this. We want it to be summer, so we're dressing in summer clothes, and then we're so cold and uncomfortable and uh, annoyed. Why is it so cold out? Why is it snowing? Oh, this is so depressing, and we come under everything else. And then we're offended at God because we say, I thought you said it was summertime. It doesn't feel like summertime. Come on, where's the sun? Where's the heat? And he's saying, look around you. Is it not clear as day that it's winter? Embrace the season for what it is. Dress accordingly. Prepare yourself so that you won't be offended at me. So that there won't be this complaint in your heart. And I really felt like when I was reading last night, I was reading in Ephesians 6 verses 10 and on about putting on the armor. I believe that we're in a season where we're standing in our armor. It's time for us to put our armor on and be ready for war because there's spiritual warfare against us, against us individually, against our families, against our minds, against our hearts. Last week, that was so clear to me when we came together and it was like sickness for Terry. You had had that smoke thing happen to you. The stuff with Mariana happened. It was just like, felt like warfare on every side. Everyone came with something that was like, ugh, this is heavy. And we were just thinking, man, the enemy really hates us. A small group of five people. Yeah. And he has something against us. And that just means that God is doing something big time. So we need to put our armor on and say, we're embracing this season for war. We're not going to come under depression. We're not going to come under loneliness. We're not going to come under the attacks of the enemy. We recognize them for what they are. And we're going to stand in faith, believing that our God is healer. He's going to heal Marie's knee. He's going to heal Terry's entire body. He's going to protect us. He's financially going to provide for us. He is going to keep us. He's going to give us joy while everyone else is depressed. And then we're going to shine like lights in this community. And they're going to see that God is real. He is present. And he's not just something we talk about. He's real. He's here. And he's moving in us. And so I, I just want to encourage us today. This has been so like stirring my own heart. Like, yes, I'm not going to come under it. I'm going to push against the enemy. When I see him coming so clearly against me, I'm like, yeah, get out of here. I'm going to be laughing and joyful and dancing, and I'm going to combat this. I'm going to make sure there's a guard over my mouth that I'm not coming under this depression thing. And when I hear others coming under it, I'm going to say, no, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's going to guard me. Let's have fun. Why come under what everyone else comes under? We have something bigger than that. And I'm going to kick the enemy in his face and not allow for him to mess around with my life, my emotions, my mind, my friends, my family. Let's not allow it for it. We're going to stand up in this hour and combat the enemy covered in the armor of God because this is the season we're in and we're embracing it because we know he's going to come and he's going to break through. And we're all going to be like, whoa, look what he did.
So, Father, we do, we just stand in this. I pray, God, this stirring in each one of us that says, ah, like the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah inside of us that says, no more. We draw the line in the spirit right now and we say, no, we are not going to come under depression. We're not going to come under this natural season. We're going to come and embrace the season of the Lord, of joy, of rest in his presence, of victory, of war, where we war in the spirit against these attacks of the enemy. And right now we stand in agreement for Terry one more time. God, we will not give up until her entire body is fully restored and we are believing for it in this life and now. In this season, God, we release a word of healing over Terry's body now. We command her body to be healed in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Be healed now in Jesus' name. We command the outpouring of the spirit of the living God over her home, that her husband and her family would be saved, that they would come under the power of the outpouring of the Spirit of God, revelation of the cross, and that it would break through every bondage and captivity in Jesus' name today over their home. Father, we thank you for protection over Jay and Marie in their household, their health, their family, their well-being. We thank you for it right now in this season that you will be guarding them and protecting them in their house would be erupting with joy during this season. It would be erupting with laughter. They'd feel the fullness of your presence in Jesus' name. God, that they would be enjoying it more than ever. Your word would be like food in their bellies, sustaining them, keeping them in this time, God. I thank you that you have called them to be a father and a mother here, Jesus. And we bless them as our spiritual father and mother. We just thank you, Lord. We bless them today in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for Renee. I thank you that you are blessing her business. We call it again today in Jesus' name. Financial provision over her. And God, she would break it. God, she'd break out of any generational thing over her. We break it today in Jesus' name by the blood of Jesus Christ over her business and over her workplace, God, that there would be no lack in her finances in Jesus name we we say yes and amen to every promise that you have given to her God yes and amen let her um, lay hold of it in this season We thank you for it today, God. You are good. You are faithful. And we stand in your victory today with our swords in hand, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes that are the preparation of the gospel of peace. We gird ourselves today fully in you, and we thank you for it and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.